Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Film and music are totally connected. I can't stress that enough. And tonight, I've, I wanted to say some things about what happened 10 years ago. Because this lady, she could act, she could sing, and she was unstoppable. Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston died today, 10 years ago. I know where I was when I heard she died. I had heard it at first. Wikipedia had posted, said she died in Canada. I thought, oh, no. But it wasn't until I saw CNN, Don Lemon. Don Lemon used to be on in the weekends on in Atlanta <coughs> on CNN. And he broke the news. I remember I was on the phone with my friend, Andrew, who's been on the show, Mr. Texas. It was sad. It was sad because I thought she would get clean. I thought, you look at someone like Robert Downey Jr., who's had so many comebacks and and finally is able to flex his muscles and, and do what he needs to do rather than get into all that trouble. And I was kind of hoping that for Whitney. I really was. Whitney Houston, I to this day, I have trouble listening to some of those songs, knowing that she's gone. I was listening to um, I Want to Dance with Somebody this evening, and I'm listening to it, and I'm just listening, and I'm thinking, because I, I remember hearing that when I was little in the 80s. You never forget the first time you hear Whitney Houston's voice. Whitney Houston's voice, whether you believe in God or not, and it's questionable. I think many of us are agnostics. But Whitney, when Whitney sang, it was from another place. You always felt something when she sang. Very few singers can do that. Very few. I'm not going to name the ones who can't. But Whitney could do it. A little of it was that background of her singing in the New Hope Gospel Church. Her mother. You think of the people that Whitney Houston was around when she was a kid. She met Elvis, Aretha, Van Morrison. Because her mom, Sissy Houston, was, was background, a background vocalist. She was in a group called the Sweet Inspirations. Worked with everybody. And so here is her daughter who has this, this extraordinary voice. And at the same time did not want Whitney going into the business. Because she said, I knew what this business was about. If you think of the people she worked with, Elvis. Elvis died of, of drugs. It brought on a heart attack, but barbiturates. It's sad. I also... About three years ago, Robin Crawford put out her book. A lot of people were kind of given the side eye to Robin. Like, why now? But those of us who love Whitney kind of always knew there was a side to Whitney that we didn't know. And had that side been able to be free, 
I think Whitney would still be here. I think there was a lot of demons. And and I'm not talking about the good ones that, you know, Alice Cooper conjures. But personal demons. That a lot of it had to do probably with her sexual orientation. Because you think of it in the 80s. There were not a lot of gay performers. Especially black gay performers. But Robin has said that they didn't have labels. They didn't have labels, but they did love one another. And I think we can all now agree, when when she's singing She Will Always Love You, she's probably singing about Robin, not Bobby, and her daughter, Bobby Christina. And so I thought I would open tonight's show talking about that. Paying honor to... She was... Uh, here's the thing. I like Mariah and Celine's okay. Barbara's okay. But Whitney had it. Whitney had a voice that is bu- uh, beyond comprehension. I can hear that song she sang, All the Man That I Need. And whatever, whatever you believe, you're feeling something when she hits those notes. Those are not faked. She didn't have to fake it. That was in her DNA. She loved to sing. And the sad thing is, in the 90s, when she was in her 30s, she felt old. And she said because she'd been through a lifetime of stuff and how the industry was different. It was about get it fast. If you think of her rise, her rise was carefully planned. Some would say, okay, Clive Davis is to blame. No. Nobody's to blame. And even Whitney's brother said Whitney had been doing drugs for a long time. And what's sad about the industry is, yeah, it tolerates drug use. It tolerates it. Maybe. And and Tony Bennett said this. Maybe drugs should become legal then. So because a year before that, we lost Amy Winehouse. And it always bothers me when people are like, well, it was bound to happen. Really? That's sad. That's sad that you don't believe in someone wanting to help themselves. And especially when you're famous and you've got all these yes people around you. Michael Jackson too. Whitney Houston and Michael Jackson, they knew each other. She dated one of his brothers. Some would say that's what that song, Saving All My Love For, is really about. Even Prince. Those people that I just named all died due to drugs. Michael Jackson, propofol. Prince, fentanyl. Whitney Houston, a heart attack due to drug use. So if we can only nurture these artists, I don't know how people can do it. I really don't. I've, I've, I've not made a secret that, yeah, I, I take edibles. I could never even fathom performing stoned. And yet so many do. That's sad. That they think that if they do that, it gives them a little jump. Like they're a car and they need that jump. And the, the, the ride to fame is scalding. You may think that you want it, but you don't want it. 
And Whitney Houston, Michael Jackson, Prince are all examples of that. It also is, it needs to be said, those are three black performers who really had to kick down doors. You think of whether you love Michael Jackson or not, they were not playing black videos on MTV. Michael Jackson was the one they had to play Billie Jean. Same with Prince. Same with Whitney Houston. And that, the, you know, the crossover appeal. Whitney Houston got a lot of hate from the community because they accused her of sounding too white. They call her Whitey Houston. That's sad. That's sad and that you have to prove yourself to, the, to both worlds. I love what uh, Eartha Kitt said something really great. Because she was biracial and she says the blacks don't want you and the whites don't want you. And I did it. Despite both sides just saying, Eartha, we don't need you. And she became her own. So, I mean, I was gonna I was gonna talk about a film. You know, Whitney Houston was in some really great films. Waiting to Exhale, Preacher's Wife, The Bodyguard. The body, here's the thing with the bodyguard. Yes, the bodyguard has got some issues. I, I, I've talked to a lot of people. The first time they watched it, they were stunned. She's saying, fuck this, because they wouldn't think that to come out of her mouth. But those who knew Whitney, knew Whitney. Whitney was from New Jersey. Whitney cursed like a sailor. But she didn't do that on her records. And, and also... What's beautiful is, I, I, I want to give a shout out to a friend of mine who's a really great teacher, a great mother. Um, and we were talking about that one time. We were talking about the bodyguard and the, the love between Whitney and Kevin Costner's characters. Because the teacher I just mentioned, her husband is white. She's black. And how love is love. And there was no mention of race in that film. He was there to protect her. And he fell in love with her. And she fell in love with him. And that song, I Will Always Love You. First of all, Dolly Parton. I want to say something. uh, One time someone said to me that Whitney had said something negative about Dolly Parton. I really doubt that. And I don't like when people say things like that. I don't think Whitney would have said anything. She loved Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton wrote that song. Whitney took it to another level. There was no, I don't think there was any hate between them. Also, Dolly said, it's, it's his, it's so heartwarming how money can really heal heart. Yeah, because of all that money she made off of that song. Um, there, there, there is a beautiful connection between country and R&B. It's a beautiful connection. Dolly knows that connection. Whitney knows that connection. It's all about the blues. That's what it's about. Dolly grew up singing gospel. Whitney grew up singing gospel. So how could they hate one another? Or even the Mariah Carey. I, you know, I really love that when Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston got together and did When You Believe. Everyone was totally watching Oprah like, 
Whoa, they like each other. They had so many similar experiences. Being in a marriage that the love was just not there. The scalding spotlight and these two divas. And I'm not talking about diva behavior. I'm talking about these women who could belt it out. And even Mariah, people would say Mariah's better. No. Even Mariah said, Whitney is the voice. I'm okay, but Whitney is the voice. Everyone will say that. So you can't say, oh, well, Adele is better. No, no. Whitney is the voice. Even when she was alive, she was the voice. No disrespect to Adele, but it's going to take you a long time. And you're not the voice. You're just not. There are certain Adele songs I like, and I'm not, I'm not bashing Adele. But like I've said, Whitney Houston had a power and ability. And yes, yeah, she did write some of her songs. She didn't write a lot of them. But when she did write them, they were special. She wrote some of Queen of the Night. She wrote the song Count on Me, that the beautiful duet that she did with CeCe Winans. She wrote that song with um, Babyface. I was thinking about that today. I was out doing my thing. And I thought of Whitney. There's a really great interview where she's talking about when they were going to do Wait to Hexel and um, Babyface says, so you're not going to do anything for this record? And she's like, no, I didn't. She says, I didn't want it to be a bodyguard thing because she'd been there, done that. She just wanted to act. Even Preacher's Wife. Preacher's Wife, she did the whole soundtrack. Penny, Penny Marshall, who's also gone. Denzel Washington. You know what? I want to give a shout out to um, Laura, wherever she is. We've talked about this a lot, she and I. Um, I know she's listening. Um, we, we, you know, we kind of had a, a falling out. Um, but we, she and I talked about this. The importance of black love on screen. Positive black love. And what you saw in The Preacher's Wife, you've got Whitney. Her character is married to Courtney B. Vance. They have the little boy. Jennifer Jennifer um, Lewis, who is so hilarious. She's the mother of black Hollywood. And then Denzel Washington. Okay? And the, and the positive aspects of that connection. It also makes me think of Whitney. Whitney is aware of this. That beautiful love story. If you've ever seen the film Mahogany and Diana Ross, Diana Ross's character becomes this model. She falls in love. Her character falls in love with uh, Anthony Perkins' character. But at the heart of that, her true love is Billy D. Williams' character. And how can you not love Billy D. Williams? Come on. And I said to her, my friend, I said, I understood that that's the power. To, to see that on screen for young kids, for young adults to see two black characters who are in love. There's nothing negative about it because what I notice is in the media, it's always negative negativity. And those performances are very important. Yes. 
Very rarely do I talk about politics on here. You know, I do support Black Lives Matter. People have said to me, and I, and I, and I don't say anything because I don't like conflict. They say, well, you know, all lives matter. So I would say to that, really? All lives matter? Okay, so where were you when all lives mattered when um, a lot of black men and black women were being lynched? Or Emmett Till was beaten, lynched, and dragged? Billy Holiday wrote, uh, sang the song Strange Fruit about lynchings. Where were you when slaves came here in 1620 in the belly of ships, many of them dying on their way to the new world in chains, dying in their own excrement? Where were you? Did, black, did all lives matter then? No, they didn't. They didn't. So keep your all lives matter bullshit, Okay. And that's not being political. That's being real. I used to teach. And I loved working with all the kids. I didn't have favorites. I loved working with all the kids. So I'm going to drop some tea. I'm going to drop some tea. Because it's important. There was an instance one time. I won't say where it was. It wasn't at work. We were sitting around and said people said they were glad we didn't have any black children at that center. That terrified me. And I almost said something. And I regret not saying something. It wasn't the point of getting them fired. It was the point of that's wrong. And they needed to be educated on that. I love everybody. Your color doesn't matter. I love black, white, Asian, Latin. I never understood that as a little kid. Until I got older. And, and it's so funny. As so many of you want to get that perfect tan. You want to be nice and brown. Yet you don't want brown people to win. You don't. I'm a brown person. I think of my, uh, my many friends and acquaintances and who are black, who are brown, who are Asian. This isn't, this isn't a tan. This is, this is natural. We were born with this. So I wanted to say that and go back to Whitney Houston. Think of, think of the world that Whitney Houston grew up in. And think of what fame did. Fame, fame can be very intimidating. And that was the game she had to appeal to the masses. White audiences, black audiences, European audiences... That's that's a lot of pressure. You think of someone like Lena Horne, who was the first, the first black actress ever to sign a major contract. She got a lot of flack for that. Whitney got a lot of flack too. So did Michael Jackson. So did Prince. So it's an it's important that we honor Whitney Houston. I'm not big on politics, but I will say something good about 
Chris Christie. Chris Christie. 2012, that was the year of that hurricane and how he, you know, Obama came came to his aid. But really, what he did, he had Whitney they they had the flags at half staff for Whitney Houston because she was a daughter of New Jersey. That was something important that he did to recognize if we're all going to come together, we're going to honor this is the greatest singer of all time. And she's from New Jersey. I think a lot of people like to do the compare and contrast. And I think a lot of it is also racism. Well, this singer is better. Yeah, usually they're going to pit, uh, oh, because she's white. Because they don't want to give it to Whitney. It's like what Little Richard said. Little Richard said, I'm the king of rock and roll. I'm the godfather of rock and roll. Don't nobody want to give it to me. That's true. Because white artists would do his songs. So I'm giving it to Whitney because Whitney was the greatest. She was the voice. She rose to that occasion. I love that interview that she did with Oprah. And they talked about the pigtails. That black girl pigtails. Her, Condoleezza Rice, Oprah. And how far we've come. This is Super Bowl weekend. It doesn't escape me the fact that her national anthem is one of the greatest. It did get a lot of controversy because of the style that she sung it in. But I was, my nephew was doing a project on the national anthem and I showed him her version. And I said to him, this is the greatest version of all time. This is, you want to, if you ever want to do a paper on the uh, national anthem, this is the definitive. This is why we are such a great country. This is, this is encapsulated in Whitney Houston singing that national anthem. We are a diverse country filled with all these different people, these different personalities and perspectives. And here comes this woman from New Jersey, or New York, New Jersey, rose to the top, and now she is saluting her country by singing this anthem and giving it her all. Whitney Houston did not half-ass it. She gave it her all. Even when she didn't want to, she gave it her all. I'm, I'm just going on a roll here. It, it, it still stuns me that she's been gone 10 years. To be in the presence of Whitney Houston's voice, you know, that was the first CD I ever got. Remember when we had cassettes? The first CD I ever got was for my birthday, and it was the Bodyguard soundtrack in the 90s. I will always love you. I want to run to you. That's one of my favorites. I have nothing. Jesus loves me. Uh, Queen of the night. I'm every woman. What's beautiful about that is Whitney and her mother used to sing backup for Shaka Khan. So that was Whitney paying it forward. And saying, because in the song, toward the end of the song, she says Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Because she's saluting her. 
Shaka Khan helped her do the vocal arrangement. She's in the video. And that video, that's a powerful video. And I love, I love talking about positivity. That video, you think of all, all the representations and the different generations in that video. Whitney's in the video. Her mother's in the video. Shaka Khan. TLC's in the video. Um, Whitney is pregnant with her daughter in the video. And this is the 30th anniversary of The Bodyguard. The Bodyguard is the biggest selling soundtrack of all time. That was Whitney's first movie. She had acted before. She'd been on Give Me a Break. If you remember Give Me a Break and the late Nell Carter, I loved Give Me a Break, especially when she puts the vacuum in the fish tank. But I remember Whitney on Give Me a Break. There's been a lot said. Yes, crack is whack. That inter- that is- I remember watching that interview. I think we were all stunned. I... I'm going to go out on a limb here. Society did that to Whitney Houston. Society did that to Michael Jackson too. And to Prince. Because you labeled them freaks. They were not black enough for you. They were not white enough for you. This is not being political. This is being... uh, I am conjuring Paul Mooney right now. I loved Paul Mooney. Because there was truth. Some people found it hurtful... But there is truth in what he was saying. There's truth in what I'm saying. And at the end of the day, we need to just put aside Whitney's troubles and let the music just take us away. Let those films take us away. Jennifer Lewis who played Whitney's mother and then she was also Nora Salon said something very profound about Whitney an interviewer was interviewing her on the set of the of the preacher's wife and she says she says I have one thing to say to you I am watching the eighth wonder of the world she said Whitney doing what she does best gospel and live and in a church being filmed Everyone was touched by Whitney Houston. Everybody. Different musical genres. People from all backgrounds. All over the world. In Germany, France, Russia, Japan, England, Ireland, Spain, Mexico. South America, Australia, New Zealand. The Philippines, China. Italy, India, Lebanon. Alaska, they all loved Whitney Houston. Because at the end of the day, it's about the music. It's about that voice. And here we are in the middle of the Winter Olympics. Whitney Houston sang like an Olympian. She knew the power of her voice. And she knew that it moved people. And there's a beautiful performance that she did for the American Music Awards in 1994. She did I Love You, Porgy. And she did I Am Am Not Telling You from uh, Dreamgirls. And then she ended it with I Have Nothing from The Bodyguard. 
And strangely, or not strangely, appropriately, Whitney was buried in that outfit. She was laid to rest in February of 2012. There's been much said about her life, but for me, and for the rest of us, it's about the music. When she opened that mouth and sang, and you know, um, and it, that just made me think of the song um, yesterday. You know, that's one of her favorite songs. She told uh, Oprah that in an interview. She says, Yesterday, when all my troubles seemed so far away, it was very profound. Because she knew when she sang, anything that she was going through, it just went out the way. And she did what she did best. She was giving you everything when she sang. She wasn't faking it. She wasn't lip syncing. (sighs) Yeah. Ten years. I will never forget where I was. I was in my pajamas. I was at home. Talking to my friends on the phone. Stunned. Sad. But at the same time, celebrating her life. Celebrating the music. How can you not celebrate? Think of the... if you, We were little kids in the 80s. I'm saving all my love for you. So emotional. I want to dance with somebody. How will I know? Didn't we almost have it all? Where do broken hearts go? You give good love. All the man that I need. I want to run to you. I will always love you. I have nothing. Jesus loves me. Queen Queen of the night. Shoop, shoop. Exhale. Count on me. I was listening to um, My Love Is Your Love album on the way home. And that was such a great album. And Whitney was smart. Whitney knew, she talked about this when she was put, she put that, to, that album together quick. She said, you know, she said to Clive, I want the best producers who are around today. She'll work with Wyclef, Missy Elliott, Rodney Jerkins, who had done a lot of stuff for hip hop. Wyclef, Wyclef Jean from the Fugees. That was her last great album. I've made no bones that I did not. I I just. It's not that I didn't like I Look to You. If you listen to that song, that's a very painful album. You can hear it. She is aware that her voice is gone. Everyone connected to her were against her going on tour. She was not ready. And in a way... That's what hurt her. That's what killed her. Is that... So much... Life happens. Shit happens. And a lot of shit happened. So... Here we are. Ten years. Whitney Houston has been gone. Ten long years. Last year... Or not last year. In 2020, Whitney was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It was a beautiful moment. 
It was very bittersweet. And it was accepted on behalf of Whitney by her mother, Sissy Houston. And Sissy Houston misses her daughter so much. Because yes, we all know Whitney as a singer, this consummate entertainer. But Sissy Houston knew her as her daughter, Nippy. That was her nickname for her, Whitney Elizabeth Houston. So from, you know, the Dr. Zeus film podcast, I mean, just listen to the music and then the films. Whitney did some really great films. She's playing Rachel in The Bodyguard. She's playing uh, Savannah in White, Wait and Texel. She's playing, what's the character's name, Julia in The Preacher's Wife. She went on to produce a lot of great films with her produce, uh, producer partner, uh, Deborah Chase Martin. They did the two Princess Diaries films. They Oh, I would be remiss if I don't mention Whitney Houston doing Cinderella with Brandy. Beautiful cast. A multicultural cast. Whitney Houston, Whoopi Goldberg, Victor Garber, Brandy, Bernadette Peters. Filipino, black, Asian, Mexican, white performers all working together. And at the heart of it is Whitney singing Impossible. And there is music in you. And she helped produce that. She helped facilitate that. And we talked about that last night. Facilitating parts. Whitney's last film was a passion project, which was Sparkle. Sparkle originally was a 1970s, uh, I believe it was a TV film. Starring the, uh, I I love the song "What a Feeling" flash dance. I was a baby in the '80s. I remember the first time I heard that. Um. So, Irene Cara, who was in the original Sparkle, and uh, Jordan Sparks was in the remake, and Whitney played the mother, and Whitney helped to produce it. She did some of the soundtrack. 10 years ago. So those of you who kind of give me the side eye when you say film podcast, seriously, I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this for four fucking years. And music and film are connected. You don't have one without the other. You don't have music video without music. You don't have a film without the, con- the, the score. Even silent films had piano scores. So, and the, the performer that we're talking about tonight conquered both film and music and did them in her own way. So, from everyone who listens to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast to myself who puts this all together, Whitney, we miss you. And you will always be the voice. Nobody will ever come close to the voice. Whitney Elizabeth Houston, that's the voice. She was our Billie Holiday. She was our Nina Simone. She was our Janis Joplin. She was our Barbara Streisand. She was everything. Unpleasant dreams.